Dear friend, I'm Dr. David Jeremiah, and I'd like to take a moment to speak with you as the world faces the coronavirus pandemic. There is no question we are living in a time of unprecedented uncertainty. It is unlike anything I have experienced in my whole life. And the temptation in times like these is to allow fear and worry to creep into our thoughts and to rob us of our joy. But in these uncertain times, we need to remember that God is still in control. And my prayer for you is that you are healthy, you're in a safe place and surrounded by those you love. Please keep the ministry of Turning Point in your prayers as well. We will continue to bring the healing power of God's Word to you each day on radio, television, and online. And I really hope this will be a source of encouragement to you during the current coronavirus. So be safe, be in the Word, and be in prayer. If you're like most people, you want your life to be stable. You don't like a lot of surprises especially the painful, unpleasant ones. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah continues his series, When Your World Falls Apart, by taking a closer look at how God uses those unwanted, painful surprises to grow us. To introduce the conclusion of his message, A Bend in the Road, here's David. And thank you for uh, joining us today. I'm sure many of you are in a different place than you would normally be if you were back in the routine of life that we used to know before this coronavirus hit us. But the Word of God is here for you. It is available to you. The scriptures that we're going to teach today are in your Bible. You can find them. You can review them. You can be blessed by them. And that's what we should be doing during this time as we as we go through this sheltering season in our lives. And that's uh, one of the reasons why we hurried and worked hard to get a resource to help you during this time. Uh, This book, in many respects around here, is called The Miracle Book because from start to finish, I think it was a new record uh, for us to be able to provide a, a resource. But the book is called Shelter in God, Your Refuge in Times of Trouble. And it it really is a basic study of the sheltering Psalms, what we learn from the book of Psalms that is transferable into our life right now. I cannot tell you how thrilled I am to be able to make this available and put it into your hands, because this is what we need during this time. We don't need predictions. We don't need forecasts. We, we don't need all of the gloom and doom that we see when we turn on the television. What we need is a word from God. What is God up to, and how does that affect our lives? In this uh, 300-page book that's just come off the press, you can find the hope and the help that you need during this time. I promise you it will encourage you. It will strengthen you. It will bless you, and we want you to have it. So here's how you can get your copy. Send a gift of any size to Turning Point during the month of June, and ask for it. That's all you have to do. Two things. Send your gift and ask for the book. Once again, the book is called Shelter in God, and it's yours for the asking when you send a gift during the month of June. Well, we started yesterday uh, looking at Second Corinthians 12 and Hebrews 12, and we were talking about disruptive moments. Uh, in our minds, we have uh, changed that to disruptive months because that's what we've been having. So let's get back to that. Let's get back and finish up our discussion uh, from Second Corinthians 12 and Hebrews 12. And I want to begin my reading in Hebrews 12. 
at the fifth verse. And these passages are so very fresh in Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, beginning with the fifth verse. Or have you forgotten how good parents treat children and that God regards you as his children? My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline, but don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. God is educating you, and that's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. The trouble you're in isn't punishment, it's training. The normal experience of children. Only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us, so why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them. But God is doing what is best for us, training us to live God's holy best. At the time, discipline isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely, for it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. Now, once again, if Paul is the writer of Hebrews, we can understand the parallelism, but even if he is not, It is striking to notice that the outline for this passage is exactly the same as the outline for 2 Corinthians 12. First of all, there is the purpose of the disruptive moment. Paul says that God allows chastening, he allows training in our lives that we might be corrected, to correct us as a father corrects his son, and that he might prove to us that we are his children. Do you see that? The Bible says all of the children in the father's family are disciplined. And if you don't have any discipline in your life, you better check into your relationship. There is no way to be a part of the father's family and not once in a while in your life feel the pain of his scourging and his rebuking and his chastisement. Some people think that the goal in life is to go all the way through from the cradle to the grave without ever having any pain. The person who does that is an unfortunate one and one who needs to check into whether or not he truly is a member of the family of God. Notice the pain in this disruptive moment again in Hebrews 12. Paul describes it like this. He calls it chastening and rebuking and scourging and correcting. And then I love this little phrase, not joyful, but painful. Very clear, isn't it? There is no desire on the part of the Almighty God or the Spirit of God to disguise what He is doing. He is not trying to say, if you just smile and think positive thoughts, this will go away and you won't feel it. So sad is the teaching that we have about us today that if we love God and we walk with Him, we will never be sick, we will never have suffering, we will never have poverty, we will never have any disease in our life, we will never have any of that. That is not from the Word of God. The Word of God is brutally honest about the reality of life and that sometimes in the process of growing up in God's family, we feel the sting of the whip. And it doesn't feel good and we would not really desire it. But God has a purpose in it. And when you feel it, one of the things you can do is stand up straight and say, so I am a son. I am a son. I am in the family. It's the proof of God's love for us. Notice the provision of the disruptive moment. Once again in the passage, God reminds us that when we are under the scourging of the father, he treats us as a father treats a son. He says in our earthly days, our parents do this for their good, but when God does this, he does it for our good because he loves us. And in the midst of the disruptive moment, when we face the bend in the road, God is right there with us, 
taking us along the pathway. There's another wonderful passage that I had hoped to share, but there wasn't enough time in this lesson. And that's John 15, and you can read that when you get a chance. In that passage, the Lord uses a parable about the vineyard. And you remember what he said? He said, every branch that brings forth good fruit, the Lord purges it so that it might bring forth more fruit. The branches that don't bring forth any fruit are not really in the vine. They're cast away. But the branches that bring forth fruit, the Bible says God the Father is the vine dresser. And he comes down and walks among his vineyard and he goes along the vines and he snips off the unproductive branches so all of the sap and all of the strength can flow through to the vine that is being productive. And the result is when it's all finished, it is more fruitful than it was before. But let me tell you what I remember about that passage most of all. This little statement, I don't know who it is attributed to, but it is very clear to me that it is the truth. It goes like this. The vine dresser is never nearer the branches than when he is pruning them. Oh, the provision of God in the disruptive moments of our lives. And then finally, look at the product of it. The product of the disruptive moment, he says in Hebrews 12, is that we become partakers of his holiness and that afterward, this process yields in us the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Do you see this? In 2 Corinthians 12, the goal is more power. In Hebrews 12, the goal is more holiness and righteousness. There isn't any way to get from point A to point B without going through the disruptive moment. But when you come out on the other side, there's more power and there's more holiness. That's the product that God is after. And then finally, just as in 2 Corinthians 12, notice here in Hebrews 12, the perspective of the disruptive moment. How are we to respond to this? Hebrews is very clear about it in the quotation from Proverbs 3, 11, and 12, which is in the fifth verse. The writer of Hebrews says, my son, don't despise the chastening of the Lord. One of the options you have is to despise it. Why has this happened to me? Why now? Why this? I'm so angry that God, have you ever met somebody who is mad at God because of something that's happened in their life? They despise the chastening. That's not the right perspective. Keep reading. It says, don't be discouraged when you rebuke. Some people just get discouraged. They just put their head down and they say, well, that's it. I'm giving up. This is all over. It's final. What I'm trying to say is this. When you go through a disruptive moment, if you're not careful, you can just say, oh, shoot, this is it. And I'm done and it's finished and I'm just going to hang my head and give up. And the Bible says, when you have a disruptive moment, don't be discouraged. Well, what are you supposed to do? Look at the end of the 11th verse. It says, That when you go through a disruptive moment, it will yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Now, here's the key to the whole thing. To those who have been trained by it. That's the key. The key isn't, why has this happened to me? Or what am I going to do? The key is, Lord, what do you want to teach me in this disruptive moment? And I stand as your ready student and pupil, and you just teach me everything you can teach me. I don't want to waste this suffering. I want to walk through it and come out on the other side having learned everything I can learn in this process. I want to tell you something. I read the Bible in a different way. I read books in a different way. I pray in a different way. All of this is a part of the way God trains us when we go through a bend in the road. Now, do you see 2 Corinthians 12 and Hebrews 12 are almost exactly alike. The outline is exactly the same. And out of these two passages come some very poignant principles 
for disruptive moments. And let me give them to you. This is what I want you to hear so very clearly. You say, well, I haven't had any disruptive moments in my life. Well, just hang on. (laughs) Just hang on. Be patient because they'll come. It's impossible. You say, what a morbid outlook on life. No, you know what? People are always talking about whether you're an optimist or you're a pessimist. And I don't think either one of those make any difference. What you need to be is a realist, right? Reality is what counts. Some people say, well, if you're optimistic, you won't ever have any bumps in the road. Yes, you will. You surely will. So what do you do when you have a disruptive moment? First of all, let me just put this in your heart. Principle number one, disruptive moments are often divine appointments. You remember how Job was buffeted by Satan, but Satan had to get permission to come and do anything he was allowed to do. Can Satan do damage to a saint? Yes, he can, but he can only do the damage that God's going to allow. So ultimately, everything that happens to us is filtered through the hands of a loving God. Hebrews 12 is even clearer. Hebrews 12 tells us that the suffering is like unto a father who is chastising his son. Who is the father in the passage? It's God himself. And it says to us that these moments that are disruptive in our lives, these things that catch us off guard, they come from God. I can't tell you anything that is more important for us to understand than that principle. Because if we don't have that clear, we will feel like we have been violated. Some years ago as I was preaching on something, I don't even know what I was preaching on at the time. I got a copy of a letter and I read it in that message. And as I've been going through the preparation for this message, I remembered the letter and I was able to find it. It's written as if it was written by God the Father to one of his children. And it goes like this. Dear child of mine, I have a message for you today. Let me whisper it just to you that it may put a silver lining on any storm that may arise and smooth the rough places in your road. It is short, only five words, but let them sink in. Let them be a pillow upon which you may rest your weary head. Here is the message. This thing is from me. Say that with me. This thing is from me. Have you ever thought of it that all that concerns you concerns me too? For he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of mine eye, Zechariah 2.8. I want you to learn when temptations assail you and the enemy comes in like a flood that this thing is from me. That your weakness needs my might and your safety lies in letting me fight for you. Because you are very precious in my sight, it is my special delight to educate you. Are you in financial difficulty? Is it hard for you to make both ends meet? This thing is from me. For I am your supply and would have you to draw from me and depend on me. Are you in difficult circumstances surrounded by people who do not understand you? This thing is from me. I am the God of circumstances. You did not arrive at this place by accident. Are you passing through a night of sorrow? This thing is from me. I am the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Has some friend disappointed you? This thing is from me. I have allowed this disappointment that you may learn that there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I want to be your confidant. I want to be there for you. And I want you to understand, my child, that I place in your hands this foundational key. This thing is from me. Therefore, let every circumstance as it arises, every interruption that make you impatient, every revelation of your own weariness, Be anointed with this truth. This thing is for me. Remember, interruptions are divine instructions. 
The hurt, the heartaches, the disappointment will go as long as you can see me in all things. With all my love, your heavenly Father. Say it again. This thing is from me. Now let me give you the second principle. This one I don't like. But in faithfulness to God, I must give it to you. Here it is. Progress without pain is not possible. Can I get a witness? (laughs) Nobody wants to say amen. Nobody feels good about it. But let's be honest. It's true, isn't it? I've been meditating a lot about why that is true, even in my own life. Because I think we have to understand that we are so caught up in our own agenda and our own plans and our own purposes and the things we want to do and the things, many of them which are good, that until there is a dynamic intervention in our life that is strong enough and painful enough to get our attention, we really don't stop to take notice of what God wants to say to us. I'll get to it tomorrow. This is a busy day for me. I'll take more time to work on that when I get a chance. These are busy times. I was mentioning to you Gordon McDonald's book, and I'm going to take just a minute to tell you this. In the front of his book, he tells a parable about a guy who was building a ship. And this guy was really into the ornate outriggings of shipbuilding. And so he built the most gorgeous sails that you could ever imagine. He put teakwood flooring on the deck of the ship. He put all the most incredible equipment for navigation in the system, all the most beautiful furniture and the greatest paint job you ever saw. But when it came time to put the weight in the keel that would stabilize the ship in the storm, it really wasn't that important to him because nobody was going to see it anyway. So he kind of fudged on it and didn't put much down there. Of course, he went out and the first day he was in the ocean, a storm came by and the ship capsized. And this man who went out into the harbor with great applause came back in shame. Because, in Gordon MacDonald's words, he had forgotten to build below the waterline. And Gordon said in his book that one of the great tragedies in life today for many Christians is that we're all caught up in the sails and the wood and the equipment and the accoutrements of life. And the soul which lies below the waterline is so hard for us to get at. And what happens when something doubles like what has happened here is you almost get to the place where all you can do is respond to what's going on. Everybody wants this. They want that. We got to start this. We got to do this. Can we have this? Can we make this happen? What are you going to do about parking? What are we going to do? And all of a sudden your life gets so crowded above the waterline that in a time when you should be building even more intensely below the waterline than you already were, you feel it being crowded until you have a moment of disruption and all of a sudden everything above the waterline doesn't mean anything. Are you with me? Now, I'm not trying to say to you, and this is not public confession time, I'm not trying to say to you that I don't pray because I do, that I don't study God's word because I do. But I'm saying to you, it's hard to maintain the ratio of investment above the waterline with investment below the waterline when the pressure is on. And sometimes I think God says, zap, get things in perspective. Progress without pain is not possible. Someone has written these words. We live in a skin deep world that emphasizes clothing, fashion, makeup, plastic surgery, tummy tucks and nose jobs. Although there may be nothing wrong with any of these, they are all just cosmetics. Character and substance are shaped in the crucible of adversity. When someone tells me they have no problems and never go through anything difficult, I can say with confidence that I'm looking at a shallow person. Storms always leave us with a list of things to clean up and fix. They are times when God restores to us the things we've lost through negligence, ignorance, rebellion, or sin. For the Christian, storms are a no-lose proposition. They help me to see and acknowledge the loose shutters, the missing shingles, the rotten fence posts in my life while turning me back to the only one who can make the necessary repairs. 
End of quote. Wow. Do you ever have a wake-up call? And don't we all need them? Don't we all need those times that jerk us back into a feeling of what's really important more than anything else? Let me just give you the third one. The promise of God is the provision of His grace. God never puts us through anything. He doesn't walk around the bend with us. He doesn't just say, well, try this way and then try that way. He says, just stay right where you are. I'll be there in a moment and we'll walk through this together. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. God's grace in the midst of our disturbing moments is an incredible thing to experience. And most of you know more about that than I do. Let me give you number four. Disruptive moments produce dynamic growth. Put that down in your list. What does it say? 2 Corinthians 12, more power. Hebrews 12, more holiness. John 15, more fruit. Someone once told me that the times when plants grow the most are not necessarily during the warm, gentle rains or the beautiful summer days. In fact, when the fierce winds blow and the raging storms come is the time of most growth. Botanists tell us that if you were to take a cross-section of the earth during a vicious storm, you could literally observe the roots reaching further down into the soil. That's what it's all about. When the storm comes, often, God causes that to happen. Finally, and I'll bring this to a conclusion. Number five, what we receive depends on how we respond. You know, everybody goes through trials. The only difference is how we respond to them. What did we learn in Hebrews? What are some of the options? We can despise them and get mad. We can be discouraged and just give up. Or we can say, God, in the midst of this experience in my life, I'm going to be the best student you ever had. I'm going to learn everything you can teach me. I'm going to come out of this armed with information and truth about who I am in Christ and what you want to do with my life that I could never have learned in any other school of training. That has to be our response. Not why did this happen? Or why did it happen now? Or why did it happen to me? But Lord, you've allowed this in my life. And I'm going to learn from it by the grace of God. I will not be the same person. God brought into my life a wonderful, God-fearing Christ follower. Dr. Thomas Witzig, member of the First Baptist Church in Rochester, kind of just fell into my life in a moment when I thought I was going to have to sit for three days and not be able to go on to the next appointment. The Saturday I left, Thomas Witzig came to see me. And the last thing he said to me is, David, I have never had cancer. And I don't really want to have it, obviously. But he said, I've dealt with so many people in what I do who have that disease. I almost feel as if I've had it. He said, I want to tell you something. You will never be the same again. I said, what do you mean? And then he said this. He said, I know where you live. He said, you will never, ever just drive by the ocean again. You will never do that. And I thought about that for a long time. I understand what he meant. He meant you can't come through an experience like this and ever be the same as you were. But you know what the key is? The key is how you respond in your heart. What your attitude about it is. My father gave this to me and I thought it'd be a blessing. It's a poem by Helen Steiner Rice. The title of the poem is The Bend in the Road. It goes like this. Sometimes we come to life's crossroads and we view what we think is the end. But God has a much wider vision and he knows that it's only a bend. The road will go on and get smoother and after we've stopped for a rest, the path that lies hidden beyond us is often the path that is best. 
So rest and relax and grow stronger. Let go and let God share your load. Have faith in a brighter tomorrow. You've just come to a bend in the road. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what this is, isn't it? It's a bend in our road. It's a pause. It's a time for reflection. It's a time that God has allowed for all of us to reset our lives, to rethink about what we do and and what we've given ourselves to. And I hope that this is a time when God is really getting through to you in your heart of hearts and you're listening carefully. Once again, if you do not know Jesus Christ in a personal way, I believe God allows moments like this to get our attention, that we might listen to the things we often shed off of our lives because we're so busy doing other things. So I want to ask you today, do you know Jesus Christ in a personal way? Have you ever accepted him into your life? Have you ever asked him for forgiveness of your sin and acknowledged that he's the Son of God, the risen Son of God, who came to be a part of our world so that he could offer us salvation and fellowship with the Father? Today, if you will pray and ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, he will do it. He's never turned anybody away. He's not willing that any should perish. So today, while, while you're hearing his voice, while in this quiet moment you're listening in a way you haven't listened before, ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior. Just bow your head where you are right now and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I need to be saved from my sin. So forgive me and come into my life in Jesus Christ. Thank you for hearing my prayer. And we'll see you right here tomorrow. Today's message came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church, where Dr. David Jeremiah serves as senior pastor. If Turning Point is ministering to you, will you write and let us know? At Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 70509, RPO Oak Street, Vancouver, B.C., B6M0A3. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new book, Shelter in God. It's sure to encourage you in this unprecedented time, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard and New International Versions, and in standard or large print in the New King James, all in a variety of handsome cover options. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, When Your World Falls Apart, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible, drawing on more than 40 years of study by Dr. David Jeremiah. Take your personal Bible study deeper with unique introductions to each book of the Bible. 55 full-page articles exploring the essential themes of the Christian life. 8,000 study notes with insightful and practical content, 
an extensive cross-reference system and helpful sidebars that extend to topics beyond the study notes. You can also take advantage of online resources available to you at jeremiahstudybible.com. Great for individual or small group studies, this Bible is available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print with several cover options. For more information or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. 